Hello, I am Chris from the Geek Peak Podcast, and I am very excited to introduce my two friends here. Miles? Hello, I'm Miles from the Disc Dump Podcast and Toast of the Realms Podcast. And Josh? Hi, I'm Josh from the Four Nerds by Nerds Podcast. We are very, very excited to be doing a brand new podcast together. We are joining forces, and we are going to be reviewing horror movies. It is called High on Horror. It's going to be our podcast where we talk all about horror movies. We're going to review them, and we're even going to have some audience participation. I hope you guys are excited. The show will debut in September, so be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, which is high underscore on underscore horror. You can also follow us on Twitter at high on horror. The O in on is a zero. And remember, life is tough. So why not take a break and get high on horror? Welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast. This is the show where we watch movies, play games, or listen to music in an effort to decide, are we going to keep the disc or are we going to dump it? Today, I'm joined by great podcast friends. These people are wonderful, and I love them. They are Jim and Danny from Bravo for the B-Side Podcast. How are you guys? Good. Good. Nice to see you again. Nice to be back on again. Yeah, yeah. it's super exciting. It's been a while. It's been a while. You, last time you guys were on, we talked about, uh, what was it, Gentleman Broncos? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Classic. And I listened to your your episode about Gentleman Broncos later. I love that movie so much. Um, but when we were on that episode, you said, Danny, that your favorite movie is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So I was like, yes. oh, you're getting reserved. Here we go. So for today's episode, we talk about Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But first, a brief history. We were somewhere around Barstow on the edge of the desert when the drugs began to take hold. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, the movie, is adapted from the book by Hunter S. Thompson. It stars Johnny Depp and Benicio Del Toro. IMDb very vaguely describes this movie as an oddball journalist and his psychopathic lawyer travel to Las Vegas for a series of psychedelic escapades. And uh, it's pretty much that, except way more goes on. So uh, Hunter Thompson, who is play- who is personified by Raul Duke, uh, Raul goes to Las Vegas to cover a motorcycle race for Rolling Stone magazine. But on the way there, he fills his trunk with drugs, and he and his lawyer go there and get super messed up and just push the limits of uh, what drug use can do for you. 
is largely based on the tapes that Hunter Thompson recorded when he did this in real life. Uh, there's, of course, a bunch of fabricated things. This is a fiction book, but there are. Uh, he did go on this crazy adventure. So he goes through and basically is chasing what he calls the American dream. And Hunter S. Thompson is a super interesting and unique character in American history, and you should definitely check him out if you've never heard of him. He's just always on drugs and doing crazy shit and is just uh, as an ode to bad behavior, as I believe Anderson Cooper called him. So yes, please check out this movie if you haven't seen it. It's a wild ride. (laughs) So, what makes Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas your favorite movie? So, okay, if you ask me what my favorite book is, I actually do have a favorite book, but if you ask me, like, my my favorite, you know, what my favorite horror book is or what my favorite horror movie is, I'm like, I don't know. It kind of depends on the day. But if you ask me specifically, like, what's the best movie of all time, it's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And that's because every time I watch it, I find a new thing in it. I see a new Easter egg. I see something new and interesting to... um, like catch my imagination and that happened we watched it last night Mm -hmm. and that happened last night i saw a thing i hadn't seen before and i was like cool um and i don't know like everything about it is just beautiful to me the camera work it's Mm -hmm. a very immersive movie to me for sure um (laughs) (laughs) and the first time i ever saw it uh, was in the background at a party I was at. I was at a house party and I was a teenager and I was doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I saw this movie. It was just playing in the background and everyone's, you know, doing what teenagers do at parties. And I'm staring at this movie and I was like, what is this? And I had no idea. So I had to find the person whose party it was and ask them. And then I had to go and track it down. And it like became this whole odyssey. And then I became obsessed with Hunter Thompson. And it's just this movie like started a whole bunch of journeys into knowledge for me. Hell yeah. It's very similar for me as well. (laughs) Uh, Jim, what did your life look like when you first got into Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Sort of like that. Uh, (laughs) No, no, I wasn't wasn't that far off the deep end. Um, I'm, I'm just really big on things that capture moments of American history. And I mean, it's, it's entertaining, you know, it's got Johnny Depp, um, you know, Terry Gillian is one of my favorite directors cause he could just do some of the weirdest mind bending stuff. You know, in fact, last night in bed, I was watching Brazil. Ooh, figured, Oh, we're doing fear and loathing. I want to watch Brazil and, and it's on Tubi. So score, score. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot about this that uh hunter thompson as a as a, a journalist is magnificent i mean he had gone places people couldn't go you know like living with the hell's angels and th- mm-hmm. them letting him write about them um he's just such an interesting guy and this was an odyssey that kind of you know i don't think people realize it but it's at the pinnacle of a complete change of decade you know 1971 is when this took place music politics culture everything 71 was the big tipping point where we said goodbye to the things from the, the 60s and like in the movie he's talking about the acid culture all of that's gone but at the time he didn't know what was coming nobody did but like 1971 we had you know we said goodbye to folk music and hard rock came in and then we started having 
you know, the Beatles made a turn, Rolling Stones made a turn in their music. We had the um, rise of Motown and, uh, you know, R&B and just all this stuff and started a, the seventies, literally started the seventies. And the thing about this movie is it completely captures the last remnants of the drug life in the sixties, mm-hmm. you know, um, and all the countercultures that existed. And you can, it, there's, there's several points like his monologue towards the, not really the end, but the middle, middle end and middle three quarters through, <laughs> okay. I always thought was so beautiful. I think um, it's as he's gonna about to leave the mint. Yeah, hotel. it's as he's leaving the mint, just before he ducks out and and makes his getaway. Um, <laughs> it it's just so gorgeous. It 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 is it's it's a very heartfelt love letter, uh, saying farewell to the '60s. This mm-hmm. rise that America had never seen coming was so different than anything from the '50s culture and early '60s culture, and then bam. Starting 1964, things just well, yeah. Part of the, you know, part of why he wrote this story, I think, is because he was examining his own difficulty in leaving the 60s behind, right? Because he very much did not want to do that. No, nobody did, and that's the thing. That's why this was huge, because you know, um, hippies, the hippie culture, wasn't mainstream anymore. They left the, you know, the sitting out on the sidewalk and started going traveling the world they took that culture to become travelers right or they became mm-hmm. recluses and that's where we had um you know uh ranches in the middle of nowhere communes and and everything because they weren't up front anymore and in their place came all this they, and this is when hard rock and you know 71 and from there forward the birth of punk rock you know all these things that were so different than the folksy, angsty songs about war. You know, Jefferson Airplane had to become Jefferson Starship at one mm-hmm. point because, you know, they had to change and the name didn't suit. And then they became Starship later on and, you know, way past 71. But it's just awesome. Watching this, it is a time capsule. And it's kind of sad because people, I mean, I was two years old when he was doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had no clue, you know. Right. Um, I remember disco 70s unfortunately that came up (laughs) i don't know i don't hate the disco 70s you didn't live it man you didn't have to wear (laughs) those horrible clothes those giant wide collars the plaid you saw my second grade picture i I don't believe for a minute brown green and yellow plaid suit jacket with bright green lapels a bright yellow shirt and a like bright emerald green tie I oh do, my god i don't see the problem here you don't see the problem well i know yeah i was gonna say that sounds like something i'd wear to a wedding yeah it sounds oh, awesome no, man. all of us that. kids who grew up in the 70s <laughs> that's our excuse for why we are how we are that, yeah. that stuff messed us up is that why you just wear like beiges and muted colors now and I pretty much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to blend into nature now it's like oh, oh, oh i like to fantasize that like oh i was definitely a 70s kid like some people are like oh i belong in the 50s or whatever racist but uh <laughs> the uh for me it's the <laughs> 70s so that's where like i think of, I, when i get dress shirts i like fold the the collar down so it's got like the points like the 70s and shit oh i love that that's my style my girlfriend does not love that that's my style but i'm all about the (laughs) 70s but uh so this movie 
it came into my life in a very similar circumstance as far as like parties and stuff like that. And uh, a friend of mine that was very into the scene, shall we say, he uh, he got me into it. And then I always wanted to be a writer. So then I started just consuming his books and nobody else writes like that, dude. Like he is crazy. Nobody. Have you guys nobody. read any of his writing? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what, Miles? It's going to be a little crinkly for a second, but this is a present that Jim got me. Oh, I'm going to break it out. This is These this is are... good radio, folks. So do you know <laughs> the story of how Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, like the story came about? It was in Rolling Stone magazine over the course of like two years or something, right? It was in Rolling Stone magazine over the course of two issues. These are the those two issues. Awesome. Wow. Look November, at that. November 1971 with the Ralph Steadman artwork. Hell yeah. What happened was essentially what happened in the movie, which was that uh, Sports Illustrated paid him to go and cover the Mint 400. Mm -hmm. And he came back with thousands of words, not about the race at all. Mm -hmm. And Sports Illustrated was like, we don't want that. So he took it over to Rolling Stone and they definitely wanted it. So they published it. He was notorious for doing shit like that. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. We'll we'll get to the end of his career in a little bit, but it's fuck, everything this dude did was just huge. Like, I don't mean huge like popular. I mean huge like he just didn't do anything small. If he's gonna do drugs, he's gonna do all the drugs. If he's gonna go cover a story, he's gonna cover a concept. Like everything that he yes. is into is just like all these grand. It's just everything is just as big as it can be. And like I, I've watched a lot of documentaries and stuff about him. I don't think I would have enjoyed being in his company. You know? Well, it's it, well, <laughs> it depends. I mean, that's something you know. As we talk about this movie, there are certain points where you can't help but think, oh, this, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing I wouldn't want to be a part of. But right. you know. Here's the beauty of Hunter Thompson. He didn't care. And he was like, you know what? I don't hide it. Everyone, if you don't know me, then you don't know. You haven't. Where the hell have you been right. in this world? Right. What have you been doing? But this is me. And if you want to come along, this is what's going to happen. So you can either <laughs> wuss out <laughs> or you can jump on the horse with me. And yeah, he is. We use him as the standard for drug tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> like, where, where does this guy rate on the Thompson scale? Well, you know, Thompson's a 10. This guy, he's really pumping it, but let's be real. He's only like a three or four, you know, right. he would die if he hit seven, you know? Um, well, one of the things that he kind of famously said that I've always tried very hard to live by, or at least like attempt to live by is that uh, he only wants to surround himself with people who are more interesting than he is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for Hunter Thompson, I think that's a pretty high fucking bar. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I think if I had ever gotten to meet him in person, I would have tried very hard to absorb just like what this, yeah. what is he, you know, right. <laughs> what drives this guy? Because I've read a lot of his stuff and I don't understand still, you know, what drove him. Drugs is a big part of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, drugs is a big part probably. of it. Um, but here's the thing, you know, we always, we've, we've talked about uh, in society, you know, like functioning alcoholics and stuff, people who have drinking problems, but go through day to day to day without exhibiting issues and stuff. And these are the kind of people that when you pull them off, they just completely come apart. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had an uncle who was like, he was a functioning drug addict. He was a, a, preci- a precision machine worker. Oh, and he Jesus. Was brilliant <laughs> at it. Yeah. He was great at it. He had like monthly people from all over the country were trying to recruit him. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when he went, tried to go sober, he got fired because he mm-hmm. just came unhinged. And so he went back on it and ended up getting another job. <laughs> and, and that's how it worked <laughs> out. But, you know. Um, Sometimes drugs do pay. Well, and I think Thompson did so much so often. His tolerance was such that, you know, he could get up and then just keep going. And he, I think he was already just of a unique mind. You mm-hmm. know, one of those minds that comes only every few generations that not even drugs could inhibit it. In fact, I think it tore away all any inhibitions he might have had as a journalist. Cause you know, journalists have codes of ethics. They have things they got to do. He didn't give two shits about anything. Nope. This is what I write about. <laughs> and this is what's going to go on. And he was, uh, he was an adventurer know, for sure. He was. And luckily he's I one mean, of those. Yeah. Yeah. He's right place, right time kind of person. Mm-hmm. Because maybe 10 years earlier, the media wouldn't, he would, no one would ever touch him. Right. They're like, no, 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 no. But yeah, people were like, I like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is different. Let's be different. Let's take a chance. And then bam, he's yeah. everywhere. And everyone like Rolling Stone and everything who wants to just keep not being average. That's his Change highway. The game. Change the game. Yep. And he just put it in, put it in fifth gear, slammed the pedal down and sat back. <laughs> <laughs> just rode where it took them buy it's the like, ticket take the ride exactly i uh i've been listening to podcasts for a long time and one of the early ones i found was it's called the moth where they like it's story slams and uh yeah. one person's story slam was i was hunter thompson's personal assistant for three months and it was amazing <laughs> She's talking about how like the interview was he ordered chocolate cake and he just stuck a bunch of pills in it and he took a scoop of it and he goes, take this. (laughs) Like it just gets crazier from there. And she's like, I'm in front of Hunter Thompson right now. If there ever is a time to take the leap, this is it. And she went along with the ride for three months. It's crazy. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. A lot. I mean, what, Going back to your original question, what introduced me to Hunter Thompson inadvertently before knowing who he was fully was the Doonesbury comic strip. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, see, no one, no one these days do. Um, it's it's an obscure comic strip. Gary, Gary it's not obscure. It was national. Well, it's obscure now. In like, well, it's gone now. <laughs> uh, Gary Trudeau was a, a comic artist, and he wrote the Doonesbury comics. Uh, had characters like Zonker. Uh, BD, you know, Zonker was a hippie. BD was sort of a sports racist, you know, facing wasp. Uh, (laughs) But Zonker had this uncle, Uncle Duke, and he was he was fashioned after Hunter Thompson. And it's the same weird shit. Like he'll be writing something. He's like, oh, I'm getting a writer's block. Something's not right. I'm not. Okay. I need some equipment. I need some stuff. And he, you know, all comes his little secretary with their little pad. He's like, all right, I need uh four ibm select typewriters i need three albino typists and i need one giant pygmy with half a shave and just (laughs) all these you know and i love that character so much and then when i found out oh shit that's after somebody who's real Mm -hmm. you know and i was a preteen so i was like oh who is this because i'm in love 
You have like a totally different experience with this than I do for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like you got to be around and watch it evolve and stuff. I like, I tapped into it way later. Like I didn't know about this until like, I don't know, 2008 or nine. Like I've never even heard of him. And uh, I went on a hell of a journey. I went to journalism school and shit. So anytime it was like, let's talk about a journalist. I'm like, Hunter Thompson. I know a lot about that guy. <laughs> and, yep. uh, yeah. So <laughs> it's, he's fantastic. He's so awful. Like the, uh, at his funeral, I think it was Anderson Cooper said that he was an ode to bad behavior was the way he described him. And I was like, that is perfect. That's exactly what this yep. man is. Um, did you guys see this movie in the theater? Well, I didn't. No, did not get to. When it came out, I was, oh, it was 92. I was. Didn't this, I think this came out in 98. Or yeah. 98. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I was living, living life on the road. Right on. I, I was. Had, I had a job. I was 11. traveling frequently. So, <laughs> so um yeah, I, I missed like actually from like ninety seven to two thousand one. I missed most of everything that came out because I was just I on was the just road working. Yeah, on the road working, and movies just weren't kind of the thing. I mean, if I could find something in a hotel at one thirty in the morning as I drift to sleep, that was a score. But right. to, you know, take time out and see what's playing at a theater. That I missed that whole thing. Missed a lot of television too. So yeah, you know, a bit of a luddite in that period. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I actually know someone else who has a period of his life that's like that, where he's just like, I don't. That period of time is just nothing for me because I was in the military and like on a ship. I didn't have the internet. I'm like, I get that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, yeah, those periods of life are very Hunter Thompson like. That is, you know, I I look back at it now. As soon as it was over, that's when you realize, yep, nope, that lifestyle, that's bullshit. Right, that's bullshit. You can make a lot of money and you can buy a lot of shit. But I've missed out on years of actual living, and that mm-hmm. is not a fair trade off in any perspective. You know, to me, that's what Hunter wow. Thompson was like. You know, I could sit behind a desk and make phone calls and go, you know, talk about people's goddamn cats in their trees and what else happened and AP style reports. That's no way to live. Well, I mean, you know, experience life. If you want to like get on the real, real, this movie is really sad. You know. Oh, As yeah. you watch it, this movie is incredibly tragic, and you think about like just how, like, I don't know, just terrible all of that stuff they did was right mm-hmm. in the movie. Whether or not you know ninety nine percent of it is true, right? right. But I had uh, in the town I grew up in, there was a guy who was like a couple years older than me, who we kind of like circled friend group circles, right? And I always thought this guy was super fascinating. He was just really interesting. He would disappear for like months at a time. And then he would come back and he would be like, oh, I was living in Thailand with my girlfriend. And like, just, it was just the weirdest thing. Or he'd be like, oh, well, I was living on a farm for a little while. And then he'd come back and he'd tell these stories. And I thought he was super interesting, uh, but kind of weird, you Mm -hmm. know? And he was, he was a bit of a druggie as well. And then... (laughs) one day and it's not like we were close friends or anything i just thought he was like a vaguely interesting person who kind of circled around my sphere of friends but he came back one day and this really kind of like opened my eyes to like jesus this is not as interesting as i think it is this is kind of scary and really sad uh he 
it was like three in the morning and he was knocking on my door and I didn't know what was going on. I opened the door and he was out of his mind on something like pushed me up against the wall, started yelling at me about something. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. And I was like, dude, you need to leave or I'm going to call the police. And then he was like, oh, I'm sorry. And he sat down and fell asleep. And I was like, okay. <laughs> that is the opposite of what I wanted you to do. <laughs> this isn't cool, man. Not okay. But it was that situation to which I was like, okay, I think maybe this guy doesn't lead this interesting of a life, right? It sounds interesting and, you know, romantic in a way on the surface. Right. But mm. underneath that, there's something that is not good. There's something like poisonous. Well, uh, yeah. And that's, I think this movie, you watch it, you can see the demons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody goes to this excess for fun. And, uh, you know, Dr. Gonzo, <laughs> I wouldn't want to spend three minutes in a room with him. That's what uh, I'm given saying. the depiction He's that scary. we see on screen. Right? He is scary. And I can't, and it's funny because, you know, our, our daughter is preteen. So we're having these conversations about, you know, allowing people into your life who are helpful and supportive and stuff. And the toxic people, you just immediately boot them to the curb because there's mm -hmm. no, you know, life's too short to allow that into your life. And every time I watch this movie and watching it again last night, I'm like, why? What was the actual unspoken bond between these two? What is the, the true secret? that kept them together because it's one thing going half batshit crazy on your own. Right. And just lighting fire to things and skipping out on bills and just, you know, not remembering what's going on. But then doing that with some guy who is almost fucking homicidal, like at every turn, yeah. like, cut you, man. <laughs> Where's my gun? Where's my gun? Um, too much. That's too much for me to want to take on. I hear you. The scene yeah. that always like stops me up in this is the scene where he's in the bathtub and he's saying at the peak of white rabbit, throw the radio in the bathtub yes. with me and shit. Yeah. It's, it's funny when you watch it sober, but when you are not sober, it is the scariest shit in the world. And uh, yeah, I always <laughs> like if I'm watching the movie, I'm usually getting intoxicated watching it. And that's like the point where it's like, oh, this is too much. I can't handle this right now. So, yeah, that's uh, – <laughs> he is so scary. What's his name? Is it Benicio del Toro or Guillermo del Toro? Yes. Benicio. Uh, Benicio. Benicio. Fucking Guillermo's fantastic. the director of yeah. other movies. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he's amazing. Oh, he did a fantastic job on this. And we were just talking about that. Dan uh, Danny loves that scene so much because when he throws that – fucking grapefruit and it explodes <laughs> on his head to, to throw it that hard <laughs> it gets oh me every God. time yeah i'm wasting my time <laughs> yeah uh, I'm, like i feel oh like gosh. i have seventeen thousand quotes from this movie that i say all the time like did you see Same. that a yep. woman was fucking a polar bear like <laughs> so fucking wild <laughs> <laughs> Quick, like, like a bunny. A bunny. Yeah. <laughs> we get stop here. This is backcountry. Yes, like yeah. I had a shirt that was like a Gonzo backcountry shirt. Oh, I was fantastic, but um, it looks like right now is actually not the worst time for us to take a brief break, and we will be right back. 
just calling today to see. Who is this? Uh, this is uh, Shane from the Good Game Guys. I'm not interested. I, I haven't even told you what it's about yet. Take me off your list. Uh, okay. Goodbye. Son of a. Devon, these cold calls aren't working, and I feel stupid. All I want is to get people excited about our show, The Good Game Guys, being available every Sunday morning on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever they get their podcasts. Because how else are people going to know that we cover the latest in video game news and do routine interviews with some of the best folks in the podcast community? They won't, unless I, I make more calls. So. Hello? Hi, this is Shane from The Good Game Guys. How are you today? Follow us on Twitter at Good Game Guys Pod. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Disc Dump Podcast, where we talk about fear and loathing in Las Vegas with the podcast Bravo for the B-Side. Thank you guys for coming on, uh, Jim and Danny. I really appreciate you guys. Audience, if you have not checked out Bravo for the B-Side, please do. It's a really good time. They're very informative people. I enjoy the sounds of their voices, and I find them extremely interesting. Please check out their show. Bravo for the B-Side. If you haven't noticed yet, I, uh, I'm i not just starting another podcast, but I'm starting two more. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Of course, there's Toast of the Realms podcast is coming up very soon. Uh, I uh, We've recorded about five episodes now, six technically, and uh, we're just getting some of the the t's crossed and the i's dotted and then it will be coming straight to you and rest assured you're gonna hear about it i'm gonna tell everybody uh, it's really the culmination of all of my podcasting that i've done so far is that i've wanted to do toast of the realms so here we are the time has come and uh in july we're recording the last little thing we got to do so i know i prematurely told you a month but now we're actually looking at a month. So it's more like three weeks now at this point. Anyway, so that's coming up. Toast of the Realms. Check it out. You can find it on all social media. But as you heard at the beginning of this podcast, I have an advertisement for our new podcast called High on Horror. That's my boy Chris from The Geek Peak and Josh from Four Nerds by Nerds. We enjoy each other's company so much we decided to start a podcast together. So we are going to be talking all things horror movies and uh, it's going to be a really good time. That's pretty much it's just for funsies, but I think that we're going to go some places with that one. It seems like fun. So if you want to hear more about horror movies, check that out. And in October, the three of us are doing the disc dump all month long talking about the masters of horror movies. So please check those out as well. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody who's listening. You guys are all awesome. I really appreciate you. Everyone who's participating on social media. Uh, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with how much support I'm getting from everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget that little PP in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the Disc Dump. 
Instagram, all of it, this dump. Just find me. You'll be all right. I also want to say thank you to the Fat Rat for the use of the song Unity, which brings us in and out of the ad spots every episode. And I want to say thank you to the Jazz June for the use of the song Viva La Speed Metal, which has gotten me through some hard times. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, I'm hoping that someday I'll have them on the show. It's been kind of hard to get a hold of them during the pandemic, but now I think I'm going to be able to get in touch with them again. It's been a little while. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening. If you haven't seen it, check out Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's a wild experience. Uh, if if for nothing other than just to see how crazy it is, it's a great display of acting prowess as well as having a crazy plot and well-made film. Overall, it's just fantastic. So please check out Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Let's get back to talking about it. Oh, and we might be playing Best Wishes right now. So, Jim, it is my understanding that you are not 100% familiar with best wishes. Is that correct? That is true. Okay. Well, Danny's been sending me some submissions that I greatly appreciate. <laughs> I have been. <laughs> She's been killing it. This is fantastic. Uh-huh. So, um, wish.com is a website where you're buying direct from China. A piecemeal, not whole mail. Like, you get what you want. But it takes about a month to get here. It never looks like the picture ever. 100% of the time, it is not what you expect to get. And the descriptions are <laughs> written by someone who clearly English is not their first language. I so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we're going to go back and forth. We're going to take turns. I am going to describe something to you and you have to tell me what it is. And uh, we'll go back and forth mm. and see who's winning here. So, since you are unfamiliar, how uh, you guys have access to the email right now, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Jim, yours is going to be one pair men, women, boats, socks, short socks, funny novelty socks, 93 cents. What do you think that is? What was that first? Did you say boat in there? uh one pair men women boat stop boat socks short socks funny novelty socks 93 cents what I don't, could they be? I, I'm... don't look at me I guess. <laughs> uh well i'm gonna you know I'm, I'm gonna be a man of faith and i'm gonna say uh uh, uh what do you call those those little footies the footies like you get they're not they're not like the throwaway nylon things oh like house slippers but not slippers like slipper socks well, but the ones you wear with your your shoes, I'm thinking like low cut socks. But I know they have oh, they they're like heel the socks. They're heel socks. Yeah. Hide, yes, hide that socks. is exactly yeah. what they are. If you will look at best wishes one, the email. Why don't you describe the two pictures I've included on that one? We started with a softball that's kind of clean, and it's going to go downhill from here. <laughs> Hold on. Um, so I'm. Looks like that's supposed to be Fanta. It looks like F A N T D. They misspelled it. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Sprite. <laughs> Sprite. Instead of Sprite, it's Sprite. It. Yes. <laughs> At least they got Dang. the color scheme right. 
<laughs> yeah, the first one of these I saw, it was not a joke. Like they clearly had misspelled it. And now this one says it's novelty socks. So I guess these are intentionally misspelled. But I know the first ones I saw were not intentionally misspelled. I think that was the magic in these socks. <sighs> well, I'll be honest with you. It was it was between the I mean, these are yeah, these are like the little ankle ones. I was thinking a little bit even smaller than that. The hidden socks for shoes or mm-hmm. condoms. Okay, yeah, but that I was, was going to go with the socks because, you know, you you're channeling the right energy, Jim. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Danny. I can't open the pictures. Hold on. I wanted to see the socks, but it won't let me open the pictures. Oh well, that's okay. We'll go to the next one. Hopefully you'll be able to see this one. So this one is 2020 new exclamation point, exclamation point, men's contoured pouch, tanning sleeve, swim, cover up, swimwear, 15 centimeters by 10 centimeters, $2 and 78 cents. Would you like to hear that again? Well, no, I'm going to go based on what I can (laughs) kind of get out of this description. So I'm going to guess that this is a very, very small men's swimsuit, like a Speedo. Well, if you kind. open Best Wishes too, why don't you go ahead and describe to me what you're looking at? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is this is just a penis cover is what I'm seeing here. It's like it's a like, sock, but for it's a Like a penis. different kind of sock, huh? <laughs> yeah, it does seem like a different Tanny kind sleep. of sock. It's a literal <laughs> banana hammock. It's yeah, but just banana. that. Like it's <laughs> What color would you buy, Jim? <laughs> uh, uh well if I needed one of these and I was gonna wear it, it would have to be the bright yellow because I might as well know where everything is. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so I'm bright yellow is the look. one. Bright yellow is fire, <laughs> as the young people say. Um <laughs> caution. <laughs> All righty, Jim. This is Men lingerie patent leather G-string with whole loop bikini briefs underwear underpants four dollars and eighty one cents. Is that crotchless patent leather? Well, if you look at best wishes number, what are we on three? <laughs> I think you'll. Uh, I think Jesus. I'll give it to you for that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> go ahead and describe G-string. to the audience what you're looking at <laughs> so it says yeah men lingerie patent leather g-string with whole loop bikini briefs underwear underpants and it is literally a triangle of fabric with a <laughs> string coming off of each corner and they come together in loop are those loops fasten or is there another apparatus you hook those to <gasps> no it just Ooh. it goes around your apparatus and it holds oh, it yeah, in place. i was gonna say i think that yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so uh these are gonna be on twitter for the audience then whenever you, this comes <laughs> out <laughs> um, excellent yeah uh, i'll just have to say hard pass altogether on this oh well wait till you see this next dangerous. one it does look dangerous. Get caught on a banister as you're walking by. That would be awful. <laughs> well, seriously, when you're walking away and someone reaches and grabs that back strap and pulls, I mean, just oh the God. friction right away, it, it'd be it'd be like cinching a banana in half. It would be with, dangerous with a big rubber band. 
here's the thing. If you were wearing it, I couldn't help myself. I would have to snap the straps. You know what I mean? And that's where marriages end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially if you do it on the balls. Oh, man, that would be the worst situation ever. Maybe that's what they're designed for. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, Danny, yours is men's new style zip back swim brief summer beach swim trunks free just pay shipping Ooh, for free what a deal i think that these are men's swim trunks with a zipper in the back holy shit you nailed it on the head that's exactly (laughs) what this is if you look at best wishes number four oh my god why (laughs) easy entry and easy exit i guess yeah I yeah, that doesn't even count as as like a back flap, like in pajamas. You know the, the, the butt flap. No, it's <clears> like <throat> it's like so that you can undo it for a little butt cleavage, for a little, you know. Oh, I think it, crack. It, it looks. In, it, yeah, I think it crack. looks like for a little more than that without actually having to remove the garments. Like if somebody walks in, zip. That's a lot but quicker like, than oh, pull them up. I guess that's true, but it's such a tiny piece of clothing in general. Like, why does it need a zipper if you can just, like, (laughs) flick it and it flies off? Like, I don't know. I suppose. (sighs) Dude, that guy has sweet tattoos. Did you see the tattoos on the dude's arm? That is a cool tattoo. I have have no idea what it is. It It says one way. Like the Godsmack star on his inner arm, but a little different. Does it say one way on the ass? Yeah, it says one way on all the color choices. (laughs) So, like, it's the opposite of what we think it is. One way, do not enter. (laughs) God, are these are these are these homophobe underwear? I think they might be. You've just come across something. That's true. (laughs) I'm into two things: pooping and God smack. That's what this. I heard Godsmack yes. today for the first time in years. The song Voodoo came on at work and I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> anyway. Oh, I love that song. I haven't heard them in years either. I don't, I don't think it holds up <laughs> the way it used to. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Anywho, so now we're at the finale. I, I haven't been keeping score, but somebody's winning and somebody's losing. So this could be for the win. Uh, so either of you can guess on this one. This okay. is latex rubber gummy made servant uniform outfits, hoods, hats, customized 0.4 millimeters, $219. Wow. That's a lot of money. God. <laughs> They're not, it's not a human being, is it? <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely not a human being. I'm not sure what okay. the fuck this thing is. <laughs> I mean, my best guess would be like uh, an edible maid's uniform. That's okay. That's clever. Holy shit. That's um, exactly what it is. Oh, see, is you, it? you got it. Cause I would have had to have guessed something different. Holy I shit. Have to look now. I would never have guessed that you nailed it right on the head. Whoa. I didn't see this coming. I, oh my God. I, <laughs> it's the okay. whole uniform is edible. I know what I said, but this isn't what I had in my head. No, I don't. This is actually a a <laughs> a frilly edible gimp suit. It has <laughs> the appropriate openings in the material. My God, 
I just meant oh. like the French made uniform. That was what I was picturing. Right? But That's kind of where I was going. It's a fruit roll up that's shaped like a nurse's outfit or some shit. Nighty. <laughs> yeah, it's a really nighty thing. It's full body, though. It is a full body, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, that's a weird <laughs> joke. It's two-piece. I think this blows is everything it? I sent you out of the yeah, water. It's got the, so it's got the shirt over type, which is like the nighty type, but it's also got those those women, like 1800s winter, win, women's undergarment. And the hat is real dated. Yeah, the hat. Yeah, that's a bed hat, all right. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't this, this is... one wild? I found this yesterday, and I was like, Oh my god, <laughs> this is a winner for sure. This is a finale, a closer. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, go- it looks like it goes like down to her feet, though. If you look at the picture of her bending over, either she's mm-hmm. oiled herself up or it's like a-, a weird, crazy onesie. Well, look at her hands, too. You can see the wrinkles. Yeah. yeah holy it's shit. Full. It's a head-to-toe gimp suit. It- it's, a- it's a women's I wonder if she's gimp suit. I wonder if she's wearing of... a gimp suit and what's for sale is just the thing that's on top. Huh. Hmm. Either way, the I'm not spending... The only way we'll know for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I get the feeling it's not that because it looks... I feel like these folks go either all in or not at all. I will say, <laughs> everything you buy from Wish.com will not look like what it looks like in the picture. <laughs> so I, <laughs> it's not going to look 100% like that. Like, it's... Whew. I suggest you check out wish.com, maybe buy one or two things just so you see what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> it takes a I would month be willing, to get here. Whew. I'd be willing to bet if you order this, what you're going to get is like a, a four gross box of fruit roll ups <laughs> and <laughs> just regular fruit roll ups. Make yourself a fruit it's gonna be, Yeah, it's going to be up to you to like cover yourself in them. It'll have instructions in Chinese. Like, this is how you do this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, like I like oh, to say, everybody's losers when we pay, play best wishes, but Danny definitely swept the competition. <laughs> yeah, you rolled it, darling. <laughs> she's whew, she's been sending me some crazy ones. So what I do in my free time is I make everybody hate me. So I'll just lay with a group of friends and be like, "So guys, what do you think this is?" And I just play best wishes <laughs> all the time. <laughs> this is how I pick out some of the winners. Is yeah, so Excellent. that's. Uh, that's best wishes. So it's a segment that is in danger of becoming extinct, though, because there's only so many times you can be like, it's underwear with a cock ring on it. Like there's so like yeah. whew, the one. So I I had these two gentlemen, one of the which was deeply religious on the podcast. Didn't know that going into it. Um, oh, so no. <laughs> he played best wishes and he was, I, I think I changed his life. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say specifically which episode it is, but there's one where a guy's like, I don't know what that is. And then we're just like, that's 50 crack pipes for $3. And he's just like, <laughs> Oh, like I had no idea what that was. <laughs> wow. So anyway, so that's best wishes. So the main subject matter of this episode is actually fear and loathing in Las Vegas, though. Yes. So um, excellent movie. Super quotable. Uh, great piece of f- film. You guys are super into film and know way more about this stuff than I do. Tell me what makes the cinematography and shit like the, the directing and all that. Tell me what makes that so excellent, because I don't think I know why. I just know it is. He uses 
okay. So I'll I'll, I'll lay let you out go. mine. Yeah, you go for it. He uses a lot of camera movement. So okay, I'm gonna give you an example scene. Uh, the adrenochrome scene. Ooh. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so adrenochrome is not a real drug. Just just FYI, <laughs> that's completely made up. But <laughs> this scene. Uh, it, and it's supposed to be in the movie. It's like the ultimate, you know, it'll take you the highest you've ever been. Um, so in the scene for folks who haven't seen the movie, he's taking it and he's taking way too much. Yeah. And as you watch the scene, it's got, um, in the foreground, we have Johnny Depp as Hunter Thompson. And in the background, we have Benicio doing his just fucking (laughs) (laughs) his imaginary fight in the background he's trying to scare some girl they ran across yeah uh, from calling them so he's yeah having this fake attack happening to him in so the background. what he does in this scene and he does this really well like just throughout the whole movie is he starts with the camera and as uh the effects of the drugs start to take you see it like the camera shifts right mm-hmm. and he actually uses the movement of the camera to exaggerate and enhance what the actors are doing really phenomenally Mm -hmm. in it. Um, And he does it handheld, right? That's not like a dolly that he's using. Um, But it's also, it's very organic the way it comes about. And it's just like those creative kind of camera movements that they almost, I mean, they have names for like 15 million different camera movements when you're right. directing and filming stuff yeah. but directors make shit up all the time that's mm-hmm. kind of what they do and he made up a lot of crazy shots he did for this movie to kind of capture the essence of that like um you know crazy i can't think of the word uh, like psychedelic you know yeah nonsense hallucinating well, he did it was yeah. It was it was art number one, but he was also with the camera movements. So think back to the Adam West Batman series from the '60s, right? Those weird ass mm-hmm. camera angles where the, the the fights and everything they're at, you know, not full, not they're like eighty seven degrees. <laughs> they just tilt the camera, yeah. and just to get a weird angle because that makes it groovy. Well, he took that and translated these people into you know to capture that kind of era, but also dynamically. Uh, Gillian does not like uh, standard, okay, line the camera up, put them on their mark, go. He does not. There is not one straight shot in that movie. Everything is always a little off. It's not the two-thirds rule where, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you take a picture in photography, your your subject should be on one-third of the screen and you should have two-thirds empty. That's a a good portrait. That's a good picture. That's a good art photo. Uh, Right. In film, they try to emulate that, but yeah, he's got everything way off. He cuts, um, everything's either shooting a little up, a little down on everybody, like when they're at the uh DA's conference. Yeah. Sitting, oh my god, right? So we've got Johnny Depp, who looks, <laughs> I know, so him and and Benicio are are in proportion, but if you'll notice, the guys in the front row, like the guy on the right side of the screen, his head is massive and it's elongated when the speaker is presenting. Um, the the idiot <laughs> expert. Um, he, uh, you know, Gilliam used a uh, widescreen lens. Didn't need to. Makes the guy look a little weird. But the guy that's in the front, he's squashed and stretched. 
And he does that in every scene. If you look, there's something not quite right. And he moves the camera, especially with the, the fucking lizards and get me some fucking golf you know? shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Where are we with the golf shoes? Um, <laughs> everything there is just, it's, it's so purposefully done and you can, and the thing is a lot of his work, like again, watching Brazil, you see it. It's not just for an effect for this movie. Like, Oh, this is about acid trips and, and other trips of every drug known to man. He, he just looks at it as art. Number one, he likes to present us with film that isn't the straight shot. Isn't everyone on your marks? You know, he's like, you know, you guys need to explore your character and we need to move this movement in the scene. And I'm going to explore how to tell the story visually while you're doing mm -hmm. your thing. You know, cause like Brazil, there's no standard shots. That thing is it's the same deal. Yeah. Yeah. Moving. It's just, we don't huh. have vomit and weapons well, <laughs> and all that of, going on. Kind of the other thing about this movie is that it has this weird dichotomy and that it's like a live action cartoon almost, right? The way right. that he films it and plays it through the whole way. It's like a live action version of Ralph Steadman Gonzo art, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. The whole thing, which is, I'm amazed that they were able to do that frankly. But the other part of it is that he portrays kind of the experience of taking all these drugs that they take um, without it being, and I think up until this point in movies, when they had people like taking drugs in movies, they were seeing like blue monkeys and weird right. shit that yeah, isn't, actually, and... isn't actually representative of what it's like to do drugs. Right. right? right. You don't, you don't see shit like that. Right. Right. Uh, well, a good example, uh, Silicon Valley, there's a scene where Ehrlich takes a bag of gold cap mushrooms, right? Mm -hmm. To go oh, yeah. drive out into the wilderness to think of this logo for their company. But there's a traffic jam and he ends up spending his time in a bathroom and we see him. He's got this beautiful, almost like the doors in the movie, the doors during their acid trip, which <clears throat> for the record never happened. Uh, but, you know, this beautiful scenery, and then we have all these beautiful logos and cartoony things. And he's like, ah, blah, 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 blah. And then they cut to where he has actually at. He's locked himself in a men's bathroom. And this woman oh, yeah. is angry. He smeared shit all over the walls and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reality. So, yeah, it's not But he portrays real. it. Yeah, in this movie, he portrays it, except for the lizard scene. But I'm going to come back to that in a second. He portrays it in this, like, very kind of realistic but subtle in its very loud, weird way. Like when he walks into the mint and he's on acid and he's looking at the guy who's on the phone talking about someone who got murdered for their um, pineal gland. Yeah. Right. Which then comes no, back yeah. around with the mm -hmm. adrenochrome later, but <laughs> he's looking at the carpet in the mint and it's this busy carpet. Right? right. And the design is kind of like crawling up the walls. That's not like that out of the ordinary you know what i mean it's just yeah. enhancing everything that is actually there right with the with the lizards i think that was just a bit of fun but he does kind of make it almost more realistic in that before they're lizards you see all the people in there acting like the lizards anyway mm -hmm. you know well yeah that's when he when you know johnny depp's reading the lines that's hunter thompson we we're visually seeing how he sees them not because of the drugs but, you know, he's like, these right. are just the worst fucking, you know, laws of nature. And they're just 
you know, blood sucking low, just the worst kind of shit. And reptiles. Yeah, reptiles. You know, they're they're terrible. Yeah, and he does that with the uh, the great whites too. The the fat white men that are gathering and are in charge of everything. And like apparently that came about because he was around with the Chicago race riots, I think is what it was, where they were like sicking dogs on people and beating people with sticks and stuff. He learned like, I hate the government. Like that was the moment for him where it was like, this is the worst thing that could happen to man. And our government is doing it to people. So that's where his disdain for like the great white come comes about. And like, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard a better description of what rich white men are is just these great white <laughs> ultimate predators that destroy the world yeah. anyway yeah yeah so oh i fucking love this shit so much guys i'm so happy we can talk about this and you know what i'm talking <laughs> about oh my gosh uh, like oh well he so, was very and i guess we could describe him as very anti-establishment i think that's sure. the best way to describe him from the beginning and that's what kept i think kept him on his career and kept him wanting to do drugs and just be free because if he buckled into anything that fed into the establishment then he was part of the problem right and he had always been very vocal about you know do something or you're the problem you know quit mm-hmm. fucking around <laughs> get up and do something you know and that's why being you know being surrounded by people more interesting you know, you got to take value or, you know, inventory of yourself. What does he do? Well, he writes about shit no one wants to hear about because he knows somebody's going to publish it. Right. And it's going to piss somebody off. And then he's going to react to it. That's going to just draw more attention and wake people up to, you know, this, this isn't right. Right. So. And then he you know, ran he, for sheriff in Colorado. Yes. <laughs> Oh yep. my God! Can you imagine a more disarray and chaos than if he had actually won and became the sheriff? Well, his um, <laughs> his campaign poster is behind Benicio del Toro in um, the scene where he's flown back to L.A. Oh, really? And, uh, Hunters and Baker on the phone with him saying, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "No, I I rented you a room. Didn't you read the telegram?" And you see, uh. Benicio del Toro in the office, and behind him is uh, Hunter Thompson's election campaign poster. Well, it's oh. also on the phone booth. One one shot of the angle because he's in that phone booth. Oh, the fist um, yeah. from his campaign poster is all over that movie. Yeah, all over it's the movie. Shaving yeah. cream in the bathroom, like it's everywhere. Oh yeah. man! So the the two thumbed fist. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that I understand it as anything other than hey, it's a Hunter S. Thompson druggy thing. So, like, is yeah. there some kind of hold up, symbolism hold up behind fist. it? Hold yeah. up a fist. If you have a thumb, no matter which mm-hmm. way you hold it, you can identify it as right or left. And as we all know, this country from day one has been divided into right and left. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's cool. Oh. So, okay. yep, you have two thumb fist. It's unity. It's so- solidarity. It's unity. Yeah. It's hmm. both. It's neither. It's its own thing. It's everything. Did I you see the... <laughs> Yeah, right. Like every time that we talk about this, anybody, if I talk to him about this, I learn stuff. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, did you guys see the videos of like his funeral and stuff? He was fired out of a cannon. <laughs> he was fired out of a cannon. It was fantastic. <laughs> like the ultimate, yeah. like if there's anything more Hunter S. Thompson, I need to hear about it because that's the most <laughs> him thing ever. So he committed suicide in, I think it's 2005, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I watched a lot of documentaries about it, and like those documentaries towards the end of his life, that's a scary dude. I would not want to be around that guy. He's like got guns and he's yelling no. at people and shit. Yeah, no, he he lost it a bit at the end. Well, that's yeah. the other thing about Fear and Loathing the movie. It's it's like the last filmed appearance of him, mm-hmm. pseudo normal. Yeah, that bit in the when when Depp's walking through the bar, he's like, oh. It's me. There I was. There I am. Holy Jesus. There you know, I am. And that's that's Hunter <laughs> in his little cameo looking yeah. up at the table and then that was it. That was a, that was about the end of his straight tracks. Yeah. And from there, really? yeah, everything about him just started getting crooked and you know, he lost himself. Which is bound to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Depp Johnny Depp spent a lot of time with him to prepare for this role, months and months with him. And then if I I'm right. I think I'm right. Johnny Depp ended up footing the bill for his funeral. Oh, yes. really? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I know they were in a weird little friend circle where it was like Johnny Depp and Marilyn Manson and him and a couple other like relatively big celebrities. And it's just like the circles of people that this guy would cultivate. It's like you said, he wanted to be around people more interesting than him. So of course, Marilyn Manson's going to be there. Like <laughs> talk about common right. interests. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about Johnny Depp, right. As far as like a movie star, he was not, he was not cut from the fine cloth of normalcy. Right. I mean, he, you know, his career got started at 21 jump street, which was, let's not talk about it. That's a whole other episode. Uh, you don't have that series on DVD, do you? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, watch Johnny Depp. But he was play a heartthrob <laughs> and stuff. But prior to that, young actors and you know, the uh, uh, male or female, that were the heartthrobs. They had to dress up for their things and stuff. And he was one of the f- first, not the first, but he was one of the first to show up wearing, you know, rings and all. Just this is what I'm wearing today. You know, mm-hmm. if you were expecting, you know, fucking tie and, you know, my hair all done nicely and then you came to the wrong place. And he just basically said, fuck you to Hollywood all around. But he was such a moneymaker. Nobody could say no to him. Right. right. And then you have Marilyn Manson, who was bringing back the, you know, David Bowie era of, you know, if you're going to be on stage. Put on a show on stage. God damn it. Right. Right. Be you. You be the show. Don't let, you know, put on a show be the show bring yourself up there and you know that goes back to like kiss and um you know uh, bowie with ziggy stardust and just all that stuff so i could see where especially after depth's like yeah can i hang out with you so i can pretend to be you right <laughs> while we shoot this film you know Hell you know yeah. those guys had to have bonded over Absolutely. their views on stuff you know so yeah that's like an awesome little circle so yeah. I, we, we pine. It's like, God, we could go back in time. I would just like to quote, accidentally meet Mr. Thompson. Right. And then spend <laughs> the rest of my life. <laughs> Thinking about what he fucking, fucking did guy. to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a huge Marilyn Manson fan. I feel like there's not many of us out there anymore, but like he's, he's a bad man, much like Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson's a bad man. He is a naughty, yeah. mean, awful human. And so is Marilyn Manson. So, like, the fact everyone's like, cancel Marilyn Manson. It's like, he canceled himself so long ago. <laughs> he's his own monster, yeah. this dude. So, like, well, he's... Well, Depp's done the same. Mm-hmm. 
all the yeah, accusations. Yeah, that's problematic and, as well. You know, that's been yeah. going on. You know, yeah. I think that's tough. Again, that's a whole, that's another deep subject, the whole cancel culture thing. Because we were just having a talk. Let's not talk about cancel culture. Not, I'm yeah. so fucking sick of I know, I know. <laughs> but but it, it's been going on long before recently. Mm-hmm. Right. Disappointments have risen from Hollywood and the rock and roll world from time immemorial. Um, I'm sure there was a gladiator whose name came out in some sort of fucking gossip and, you know, don't cheer for him. <laughs> you know, don't chain the lions when he comes in. Prick. <laughs> you know, there was always some yeah. sort of retribution. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Hunter Thompson was not an ideal human being. No. But all that aside, you, you can't, it, it does not and cannot diminish what he gave to us from a journalistic perspective from a social perspective from just wow there's actually a human being like that perspective you know i mean from a creative perspective yeah yeah what he did to ralph steadman is wild so i don't know that i imagine the audience doesn't know this story so the day he met ralph steadman ralph steadman does all the art for fear and loathing anything hunter s thompson ralph steadman makes paintings for him and it's a totally unique and crazy style but apparently steadman was a regular normal painter and then he had never done drugs never had a drink anything he met hunter thompson and hunter thompson gave him mescaline and he was like now paint me something oh, no. <laughs> uh so now hunter or er, uh Stedman. So now Stedman has <laughs> got this signature art style that is incredible. And uh, he actually, his art is now exclusively on beer bottles you know, from a city that's not ter- a brewery that's not terribly far from where I live. Have Do you guys have um, Flying Dog Brewing Company? I don't think so. We don't drink, so no idea. Oh, okay. We have so many, we're in Wisconsin. We have so many local like brewing companies that mm-hmm. they kind of get lost, you know. <laughs> Oh yeah. God. Yeah. The, the local <laughs> brew house. I mean, we go, you know, uh, like occasionally I'll go to the liquor store cause, uh, get something to make, um, like, uh, Bailey's I cook, Irish cream cook with liquor, but well, don't drink it. And I get Guinness <laughs> cause I make Guinness Irish stew and Guinness, you know, shepherd's pie and stuff. Um, but yeah, you can't help but walk past the local section and the local section is half as big as the rest of the store. Right. All the name brand guys have half, and it's just like, wow, these are all local. Yeah, it's the renaissance of alcohol right now, but I didn't know you guys were sober. I probably wouldn't have uh, consumed quite as much uh, intoxicants as I have, but Uh, that's okay. It's not, it's, (laughs) no, that's fine. It's not any kind of conviction. It's just a choice. Myself, I, I was given my first drink when I was four by my very Irish grandfather and it was whiskey. So I was brought up on whiskey. So Ooh. I had been going to bars and celebrated my uh, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th birthdays in a bar uh, just Ooh. by virtue because I looked old enough. This was back, you know, I didn't give a shit about IDs. If you looked old enough, that was fine. Um, by the time I hit 25, man, I was done drinking. <laughs> I was like, you know what? <laughs> this shit doesn't taste good anymore, man. I just I, And I never liked beer. So this whole renaissance of of uh, microbreweries and, and stuff it completely lost on me i could just never get used to beer because it was always irish whiskey or worse right you know but i'm not gonna lie everyone knows this i'll say it publicly when they legalize marijuana in wisconsin because the republican legislature will get voted out or just die of old age um yes we will <laughs> <laughs> We will have something to do that doesn't involve drinking. Hell and we're just yeah. waiting ever so patiently. 
so very patiently. I mean, we could just go over to Illinois and get a hotel for the weekend. Anyway, uh, so, um, <laughs> so if you guys aren't into drugs and stuff, what drew you to Hunter Thompson and stuff? If if it's like a personal answer you don't on the podcast, it's fine. I'll cut it out. But I think he writes beautifully. Yeah. I think that his way of turning a phrase and using the perfect word for the perfect situation and the perfect sentence is just like chef's kiss. Like it's just beautiful. I have a notes document on my phone where I write down like turns of phrase that I think are beautiful or things that just stick with me that I like. And so anytime I find a writer that can do that and that can do that frequently enough for me to be like, oh, my God, I've got to read everything this person writes. Mm-hmm. Um, there are only three writers that are like that for me, like in the whole world. I like a lot of writers, but there are only three that I'm completely obsessed with and I have to read everything they write. Um, and Hunter Thompson is one of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He's excellent. My lady and I went to Las Vegas for Valentine's Day in 2019, right before shit hit the fan. Uh, so we had just, just got in there right before the world ended. And um, so we went there and I have an app called Untapped. Everyone should follow me. Uh, I'm Milosh07 on Untapped. So it's a social media that's exclusively about beer. So you go to a place and you check in the beer that you're drinking. You say where you are and you give it a review. And uh, usually people review normally. I review like somebody who doesn't understand how the app works because I think it's funny. And um, (laughs) so when I was in Vegas, every beer I tried, which was an astounding amount of beer, I picked out Hunter Thompson quotes and put them in as the reviews for like all these places in Vegas and stuff. So I made my mark on that shit. But what about you, Jim? Well, like I said, with me, it started with the whole Doonesbury thing because I love Doonesbury. Um, You know, I was I I was very even though I wasn't, you know, well, I was born you know, 69, but I wasn't alive during the last half of the sixties. I was raised around that. So I was very in touch with the whole Doonesbury thing and Trudeau kind of like, you know, lifting his middle finger to comics and morality and censorship and stuff. Um, And then finding out that this character I loved is this actual dude. And like, Oh yeah, I heard of this, but I never made the connection. Um, You know, I'm not going to lie. My early years, I'm not going to say I did everything Hunter Thompson did, but you know, I uh, I lived a rather free and liberal life because uh, I was actually living on my own at fourteen, so I had nobody to answer oh, to. Shit. Yeah, an interesting um, gentleman. Do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> See, I try to surround I, myself with interesting people. I'm, I married a very interesting person. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, but I, anyway, I, he just I just love that. I because you know, raised, surrounded by the things that you hate most in life, like, you know, a family who's racist and sexist and, um, you know, uh, growing up poor. So understanding what it is to be this, you know, he just embodied everything that I wanted to stand for. And that I wanted to see happen is speaking out against this, standing, but not caring about this, not letting people put you down. And I admired his, uh, 
his persistence. You know, nobody ever put him down. How many writers do we know of or how many movies have been made about writers who've been silenced or their careers have gone to shit and they vanished, right? Because of the one thing they did. Hunter Thompson was, you know, he was like the herpes of <laughs> of liberty, you know? It's I'm, like I'm just, sure he would love to be called the herpes of liberty. He, he would because that shit <laughs> never goes away. That's that shit sticks with you for life. And that's what he was. He just constantly kept popping up and there's just nothing you could do. So I, I just, I loved that there was that kind of person, you know, mm -hmm. and who wrote and being a writer, especially that was his thing. He wasn't on some sort of fucking Geraldo talk show or Jerry Springer. He wasn't looking for sensationalism. He just found shit that interested him that needed to be written about. And he wrote about it as he saw it, not as how he thought it should be presented. Any of that. He was just right. raw. And I just, for me, I, I can't ever not appreciate somebody who is just raw. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's, that's my he's definitely, definitely one of those people. The end of his career with Rolling Stone is kind of hilarious. He went to Vegas or wherever he went to watch a George Foreman and Muhammad Ali fight. And he thought for sure that it was going to go one way. It's one of the biggest fights in history. I don't remember who won, but it was he was certain that it, I think George Foreman was just going to kill Muhammad Ali. So he didn't even go. And he just wrote this story <laughs> and he turned out to be wronger than wrong could ever have been. Like he fucked up <laughs> so bad because he wrote the story on a typewriter on a floaty in a swimming pool. So like he was not oh going God. to see this fucking fight. And uh, yeah, he that's why eventually Rolling Stone fired him was because he just didn't give a shit. He's like, you're going to make me cover this. I don't give a shit about this. So <laughs> That was, and that was yeah. really the the end of his career, and he just kind of lived off his money after that. So, is there anything else you guys want to talk about with this movie before we bring us into the closing of the episode? Um, for those who haven't seen it, you don't need to know anything about any of this. Um, right. <laughs> if you like movies, <laughs> this is true. If you like movies from that front, from an entertainment perspective, go in blind. It's a fun <clears throat> ride. It is. It is colorful. It's a lot of movement. It never sits still. Um, you're, there's, you know, they have that app where you can find out when during a movie is the best time to go take a piss. Um, that app would not be able to predict that for this film. There isn't a slow enough moment because when the action slows down, some of the most beautiful words are spoken and they're mm -hmm. not made up for the movie. This movie was adapted from the book and we spoke, coincidentally, we spoke to the guy who adapted the book into the script well really? yes alex cox we spoke to alex cox and i mean terry gilliam and alex cox have kind of a, a very famously had a big disagreement about it because yeah it's if you look into it it's complicated but we did speak to alex cox yeah well alex is another one he's like i don't fucking care yeah right <laughs> this is you know but very um, interesting yeah it's it's a fun movie it's a great movie uh and I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I mean, if you like movies for entertainment, this is going to do it. Uh, if you listen to it, you might might think about some stuff afterwards, and that's never bad. But uh, it's just weird. It's not a feel-good movie. <clears throat> it's not a no. drama. It's just weird. And if that's, your, if that's your, well, your wheelhouse, this ship will sail you straight on into the night. It's the most fun, sad movie there is. It's so much yes. fun. It's so sad. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the name of the show is The Disc Dump. The premise is that I have all this physical media, all these DVDs and all this bullshit in my house. I'm surround my sister gave me the whole nickelback discography and it's sitting in front of me. And I'm like, why did I accept this? Uh so like shit like this is all around my house. And I'm trying to weed out what's worth keeping and what we're dumping. So what do you think? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas on DVD, no special features, just the movie. You don't even have a menu. You put it in and it plays like a VCR VHS tape. So nice. uh they know who their audience is you don't want any extra buttons um (laughs) so (laughs) that's the version of this i have do you think i should keep it or dump it i would say keep it there i okay so it's on a lot of streaming services and you can probably get it for like the rest of your life on a streaming service of some kind um but like we own it on DVD and we own it on iTunes and we, you know, can watch it on streaming services and I wouldn't get rid of the DVD. It's if I had to keep 10, you know, it'd be one of the 10 that I would keep for sure. And, and I say, keep it for all those reasons. Um, but also it, you are holding literally a physical piece of, of cultural history in this country. You know, it's 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 uh, a story that takes place in 1971 by a man who was, you know, railing in that period. But it also brilliant filmmaker, you know, from the mid to late 90s. Shitload of cameos. Tons of cameos. I mean, yeah, this is <laughs> it's great. And I, w- I would hold the disc just because I'm, I'm a fan of the physical things when they're rare. This is the disc is Dr. Gonzo. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, too rare for mass production, <laughs> too weird for mass production. You know, uh, it, it's just, I would say you got to keep it. You have to keep this one because digital may go away. Streaming services stop carrying things, you know, even like iTunes and Amazon are like, Hey, we don't promise you shit. You could buy $15,000 worth of films and tomorrow they could be gone. Pfft. Suck it, so, dude. You signed the, you signed the agreement. <laughs> that's where I was for a while. Like just. I didn't want to get rid of anything, and that's how I ended up in this situation. But that said, I'm absolutely <laughs> keeping this movie because this is one of the best movies ever. Why would I get rid of it? I fucking love this movie. I read the book multiple times. Yes. I read his other books multiple times. Like I love this so much. All righty. So uh, I love your show. I find it very educational. I love it when you spoil beat for beat a movie for me because, A, I don't need to watch it then. <laughs> but, B, also, I think you're extremely insightful and very smart people, and I really enjoy hearing you talk. I enjoy talking to you. Um, why don't you give the audience a quick rundown of what your show is? Yeah, so our podcast is Bravo for the B-Side. And it's a podcast where we celebrate indie movies and B movies and we talk about them. We run through the whole movie and then we talk about what filmmakers can learn from them. Yeah. And sometimes we disagree on things, but it's all good. <laughs> and it is. It's beat for beat. Uh, most of it is spoilers. Uh, occasionally we'll not spoil something, but the whole very, premise very the whole premise of the thing is uh, these movies are so good in their own right that even if you know what's going to happen might even be more fun looking for it because sometimes you know we we pick even our favorite if we did fear and loathing we would pick the hell out of that that's true Mm -hmm. i mean we would just be relentless because that's good luck i know i know know all the continuity errors in it it doesn't bother me though Uh, (laughs) yeah and then uh creatives not just filmmakers but creatives in general uh writing filmmaking we talk about what you can you know what 
what in this movie is a good example of something good story uh good filming quality sound you know technical stuff um we mm -hmm. just want to help folks out and what better way to do it than talk about movies i learn a lot from you guys i used to want to be a movie maker like that was i wanted to be the next seth rogan like that was my whole thing and uh no that is unnecessary because i did not have the knowledge but you guys have the knowledge and you're taking steps in the direction of making movies and shit it makes me so excited for you i'm so happy to know you guys and i love your show so much you're very educational and i value you guys a lot um so that said, we have to bring this episode to a close, sadly, because I really enjoy your company and I wish it didn't have to be this way, but it does. There has to be a time where we stop talking. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, so uh, when uh, at the end of these episodes, we recommend something to the audience. It doesn't need to be media. It could be hug your neighbor, uh, pet a cat, be friends with somebody, or it could be like, this movie's awesome. I love this movie. What would you guys like to recommend to the audience? I mentioned uh, a number of writers earlier in this episode, so I'm going to easy out and name those writers to recommend them. So my three favorite writers of all time, the ones who I will read anything and everything they you know, have ever written, except there won't ever be anything more from Hunter Thompson. But the other two are Mary Doria Russell and Tom Robbins. Oh, yes. Please, please read some of those. <laughs> I, I concur with your choices i'm i'm a pretty big reader these days and i've never heard of either of them before this is interesting yeah have you ever seen the uma thurman film even cowgirls oh my god even cowgirls get the blues nope but i'm interested i'm okay I'm like... well you need to see it and you need to read the book right on i'll check them out i'm gonna say folks anyone who's listening to this uh take two hours out of each month and spend it looking for and listening to a podcast something on tubi because tubi is loaded with shit that is so not mainstream um you know walk to a used bookstore walk in and blind pick a book buy it it's going to cost you next to nothing and just read it i think we reached a point um where everyone should you know explore because people are out there doing things or have done things and it should be seen so be part of that movement and share it with people you know i watched this weird ass movie on tubi and i gotta let you know about it or i found this podcast called the disc dump and it's actually pretty goddamn good so listen to it mm. you know i mean <laughs> <laughs> well thanks that's how we plug you so much man um, i appreciate we really it mention you a lot on our show <laughs> uh, we're, we're coming out of we're coming out of COVID, uh, COVID land and quarantine and stuff. And I think COVID, um, I, I love it. Sorry. I know you didn't I know, say it I was on purpose, say but COVID I'm so quarantine. happy. COVID. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, expand your minds is expanding. It is such a simple process, but help creatives out, help people out who have done something and uh, you might come away with something from it. I think two hours a month is not a lot to have to work out. I agree. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Bravo for the B-side. Thank for you having for having us. us, man. Awesome. Well, until next week, audience. Toodaloo. Toodaloo.